Good evening. Welcome to a late night latte on Latte Firm. We are the Florida Cup champions. Arsenal have smashed Chelsea by four goals to nil. And I'm all for it. I just want to chat about that. I want to eulogize about that performance. I want to hear your thoughts on all of that. I hope you guys are well. Hope you've had a lovely weekend. I have to be honest, I'm running on empty. Uh, I was up until the early hours of the morning because, of course, in the UK, the game kicked off at 1 a.m. Ended up going to bed at like uh, whatever it was, half three, and then woken up by the kids. So it's been a really knackering day and sorry to have kept you waiting. As per, let's get through some greetings. Uh, Henke Ho says, even guys, I <laughs> every time <laughs> I think my dreams about a world-class forward in front of Erdegaard is becoming real. Thank you, man. I flipping love your messages. Andy Love, what a great surname. Good evening, FK. Really looking forward to another great latte show. Thanks very much, my man. Uncle Doris, thank you. Uh, ooh, looking forward to this one. Happy time. It is indeed. Uh, Pavel, good evening from Poland. Good evening to you, my friend. Hey, boss. Hello, hello from California. Hey, man. Hope you're well. Patrick Carlson, welcome back. Uh, good evening. Uh, Geltham, I hope I pronounced your name right. Hello from India. Hello from New York, Christoph Michelle. Gosh, I didn't, I didn't realize you were in New York, Christoph. And of course, Deval, hello from Slough, keeping it real. I love that. I love that. Uh, Henke says, hello from Denmark, the winners of the Tour de France. I didn't know that, to be fair. Jamie, just rounding off another uh, continent. Good evening from Kenya. Thanks for all the lovely messages. Uh, Tezzy Mai, I can see you're from Ireland. Uh, there's, there's a couple from Ireland. And there's one, you know, one from the from, from, from the from the local neighborhood. Good evening from East London. That's CNUT 4563A. Uh, look, um, I want to get through loads of stuff tonight. I want to look back at um, you know, Sinchenko making his first start. I want to look at uh, the performance last night. Uh, I've got a couple of good guests. So I've got, first of all, Yem at Verge 59 joining. And of course, was uh, they were both on the last late night latte. And it kind of made sense to have them back. I'm also going to be joined by a chap called Adam Tufts, who is an American uh, Arsenal fan based overseas, who went to uh, one of the few games that he's been to to watch Arsenal. And I want to get a few minutes of, of what it was like, what the atmosphere was like, and what it was like seeing uh, Arsenal beat Chelsea the way that we did. Um, in terms of content, we're going to focus a little bit more on sort of departures who might go in the next few days before the season starts. And we're going to close the show with Arsenal captain. Um, Martin Erdegaard given the armband yesterday. Who would your captain be for this? So anyway, um, let's crack on. If you would like to drop a like on the video, it would be much appreciated. There's more than 200 of you watching live right now, which is insane. Uh, let's get cracking and bring the guests straight in. So bringing in first and second, respectively. Yem, good evening in your, I love a classic Arsenal shirt at Verge 59. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Had a busy day. I was... Uh family get-togethers, etc. And I I faded out yesterday. So as you know, I, I couldn't do the whole thing and I faded out after the first half. I missed the second half and I was terrible, you've, terrible. You've caught, you've caught up with all the euphoria though, right? Oh, who did it? You know, first thing on Twitter this morning was like, yes, highlights, highlights, general, what's going on? You know, it's standard, isn't it? Love to see it. And was welcome back. I know it's warm tonight. I know at the last show, you, you, you very kindly didn't turn your fan on. And when we finished, <laughs> you were like, just a sweat ball. Uh, how are you feeling today, my man? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I'm going to think I will end up like another sweat ball by the end of this one, to be fair. But, you know, we've got to enjoy the sun while we've got it, I suppose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, chaps, just before we dive into some of the slide deck, I want to bring in a special guest who's been waiting very sort of patiently in the background. His name's Adam. Uh, he's based overseas. And uh, I, I tweeted earlier today just about, I thought the whole setup of the US tour, and in particular the atmosphere last night, was really good to see. And, and what, what sort of occurred to me was that there were probably Arsenal fans who have gone last night as their first game watching Arsenal live and what a fixture, what a performance. And, you know, particularly the younger fans, you know, the next generation coming away from that ground thinking, bloody hell, that was special. So I want to invite Adam on. Adam's sort of sat in the, the back of the studio. So Adam, welcome to Latte Firm. Can you hear us loud and clear? Are you well? Yeah, I can. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, mate, it's a pleasure. Um, Adam, where are you based in the US? Uh, so I'm actually in Orlando. I'm not from Orlando, but I currently live in Orlando. Awesome. And you said to me that this is, what, the second or third game that you've been to as an Arsenal fan? Is that right? Yeah. So I actually got to go to both matches, both the Orlando City and the Chelsea match. So they were my second and third matches. Wow. And so tell us, what's it like supporting Arsenal from overseas? Because, you know, the chaps on this show, Yemen was and I, we're very fortunate to love, in the, to, to, love to live in the UK. We're very lucky to live close to the ground and we've been blessed to have been able to go to Arsenal for years and decades almost, uh, certainly decades between us. 
But what's it like watching from afar? And, and I suppose take us into what it must have been like going into the ground last night. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, having, you know, watched, I mean, probably 90% of matches, you know, missing midweek matches for work and, and such, you know, being in the middle of the day. Um, you know, having the ability to see the club up close, to to see the players, to see the speed. There's so much that goes on, you know, watching professional football um, in the States, you know, and, and seeing these teams that, that play, you know, Orlando City is the, the local team, um, you know, going to their matches. You know, you watch and, and you can kind of see where, you know, uh, when Premier League teams come in, you know, how fast the game is, you know, how kind of precision, you know, it takes such a key role, you know, it, it's night and day, the speed at which they play and, and you know, at which, you know, tactics are used. And, and there's just so much more in-depth kind of breakdown of, you know, seeing all these things happen. So it, it's amazing to see all of that just as a fan's perspective. And then, you know, on a, a, a you know, having personally supported Arsenal since, you know, the early 2000s, um, and, and being someone who never really got to watch football matches growing up because they just weren't shown in the States until, you know, the 2010s, you know, getting to see matches has been phenomenal. You know, they were supposed to come last year. We were, uh, my brother is an Everton fan, unfortunately. And uh, he, uh, you know, we were going to go see the matches when they were supposed to come last year. Um, and, you know, unfortunately that never, you know, panned out until this year. So, you know, having the ability to go and watch these matches and seeing fans. And, and like you said, some of the younger fans, I'm, I'm watching, you know, kids seven, eight, nine, you know, who are going, ah, I get to see Odegaard. Ah, you know, it, it, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, all these kids and, and full kits just having the time of their lives. Oh, I love it, man. And, and obviously look, last night, the atmosphere was electric. You could hear it on the television um, I know it's a bit weird sometimes, you know, I think you yourself were surrounded by a couple of Chelsea fans and it's a bit sort of mishmash, but, yeah. you know, I understand that it's, you know, it's taking place overseas and people are just there for the occasion. What was it like in the ground? I mean, does it still feel surreal to you? Like, you know, you watch us on the TV, you've gone there and, you know, you're seeing the boys come out in their red and white and like, did, did you feel like a kid at Christmas? Like, is it just, is it just surreal for you? It, it's absolutely unreal to, I mean, we were really close for the Orlando city match. So we were, I mean, right on the sideline uh, about the 12 yard line and, and, you know, seeing the players come to and from and, and, and doing all that was amazing. And then last night we were sitting mostly in a Chelsea section, uh, unfortunately, but there was a couple of splatters of red and white around and, and to see just the absolute elation to get to see the fans from from a distance and, and get to celebrate with them, but then also getting to rub it in all of the faces of the jealousy fans is, I couldn't have asked for better. Oh, mate, I'm really, really happy for you. And I, I suppose just before you kind of go, I mean, what are your hopes for the club? Uh, obviously, the US tour is now over. We've got the Emirates Cup coming up this weekend, as well as the Charity Shield. Of course, we're not competing in that. And the domestic league starts in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, are, you, are you optimistic going into next campaign? I have reservations uh, as a normal human being of anything, whether it's sports, whether it's life, whether it's, I mean, anything. It took me seven years to ask my wife to marry me. Um, <laughs> it, it was just one of, I, I always have reservations about giving, you know, full commitment to, to anything. And honestly, having watched the matches live having seen the players that we've brought in having seen where the club has gone from you know four or five seasons ago into where it's going now seeing the direction of the transfer seeing us bring in championship quality players and 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 players who have won trophy after trophy after trophy I, i'm i'm truly optimistic uh, i'm i'm pushing for top four i would love obviously to see us win the league i still think that um some of our depth in some of those positions you know at, at right back and and winger just having some coverage especially playing you know in the europa league this season is going to be you know more taxing because Saka has not had a 15 minute break in two years so i don't want to see you know those players being run down 
um, especially the injury-prone ones, you know, Tomiyasu and, and Tierney um, party for, you know, chunks of last season. I, 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 I'm excited about the squad depth that we are gaining, um, but I'm truly excited about the football that we're playing now. Oh, mate. Well, listen, um, I wish you, of course, you all the best in the season to come. Uh, do come back on uh, at some point in the season and let us know what your thoughts are from afar. But honestly, you guys did a great job. And like seeing all the pictures, all the images from Arsenal America, the Arsenal official sort of Twitter account, uh, Frimmy or Frimpon doing all the hosting and just the way that everyone was wearing their colours in the stadium last night. You guys did us proud. So hopefully you, you sort of enjoyed that. And if anybody wants to follow Adam on Twitter, is that your handle on screen, Adam? So it's Adam underscore Tufts 08. Uh, so do get involved. But Adam, thank you very much for joining the Late Night Latte. Look after yourself and uh, come back on soon. Thank you so much, guys. No worries, man. Take it easy. Oh, what a lovely uh, sort of feeling. You know, it's really weird. Like As Adam was talking about his experience, I... It's, I suppose it's a bit like going to the cinema, yeah, when you've got one of those unlimited passes. Like, you just get so used to going that you forget the novelty that, that sort of lies with that experience. You know, we've been to Arsenal so many, you know, year after year after year, so many games, home and away, that only when there's a big gap, like pre-season, for example, you go back to the Emirates and you're really excited, you're really buzzing, and it feels kind of nice, but you kind of get used to it. And I'm quite kind of almost envious of those who kind of get that feeling again, like when we were little boys, like you're going into the ground for the first time. So... Really, really sort of pleased for uh, for Adam. And it's nice to hear stories like that. Uh, right, let's crack on. So let's talk about some of the slides that we um, that I've prepared for tonight's show. And first of all, if you can see, hopefully, uh, well, we talked about Sinchenko last time, but he actually signed. And it was nice to see him in what an elite kit that is, guys, eh? The black kit. <laughs> Absolutely sensational. Um, but there was a quote that Mikel uh, gave on Sinchenko, which is on that right-hand side, courtesy of Sam, who is now underscore Arsenal. Uh, Arteta says that Alexander Sinchenko understands everything he wants and he understands the process. We talked, chaps, both in the last Late Night Latte, that familiarity with the manager, so Sinchenko having the familiarity with Arteta as the coach, was really important. Arteta's definitely got someone that he's been keeping an eye on for the longest time. And what a start last night. I mean, just a really, really good player, clearly, already. Was, starting with you. Exactly that, mate. And, and and ultimately, it's a sign that we looked at and we spoke about previously that he, he sort of targeted someone like Lissandro Martinez. Didn't happen. He knew he had Zinchenko there and that's exactly what he wanted. And um, and as he said, he knows he can carry out the instructions and he's just natural. You know, he's technically gifted, long and short passes, comfortable tucking inside. He, he's just the perfect modern day fullback. And, he, you know, he's, he's at the perfect age. Everything he's doing and adding to this group of players is for a reason and he's he's sort of he's creating an environment here where players are going to become a product of their environment so you might have seen players in the past that have struggled been surrounded by you know a poor poor environment but this now is different it's, you can see it's different already and the players he's adding to it are not just not just technically in the way they play football it's the, it's the characters he's adding as well and, and Zinchenko clearly is one of them and also he's been there and done it and won it so you you know at such a young age as well relatively young age for, for you know for for a footballer he's you know got years ahead of him but he's done it and he's going to bring that will to win that mentality and and everything else along with it it's just such a superb sign mate i i, I can't you know sort of agree enough and look i don't want arsenal fans to just start sleeping on kieran tierney because we know that he's a great player as well um and obviously now Arsenal and Arteta have got the luxury of allowing tierney to recover properly because we know tierney loves playing for scotland you can't knock a man's you know, um, desire to play for his country. I, I rate that. I get that. Um, you can argue that Scotland shouldn't have, you know, meaningless friendlies in the middle of the season, but that's, you know, that's not Tierney's fault. But I do think he needs time to just recover and to look after his body and to, and to go through rehab when he gets those soft tissue injuries in particular. So really pleased that we've got Sinchenko. You know, he's a top, top player. You talk about was, that you know, four Premier League titles and he's only 25 he comes from an environment of winning. He comes from an amazing school of thought. Pep Guardiola has been so successful there. And Arteta, of course, has been an insider there. And so, look, I'm really excited about what I'm going to see. And what I liked last night, you know, the, the, the three boys, you know, playing Ben White at right back, 
they kind of go into that sort of back three and Sinchenko was tucking up in midfield and it was just, you know, he's so good on the ball. Like he doesn't look out of place. And I know we talked about Sinchenko, whether he might be playing as a midfielder. And of course that'll be, you know, the jury's out. We need to see, we need to see that in, in so many more games, but what a touch, you know, there's already clips of him going around on social media, you know, playing that long ball across to Saka pings into midfield um, I'm just really excited, uh, which is uh, which is a good good place to be. Uh, Yem, coming to you. Obviously, Sinchenko, uh, you know, in his Arsenal shirt, and you know, meeting Gabby Jesus there and sitting next to the gaffer. He started last night, and this was the team news, of course, courtesy of Arsenal.com. So that was a team uh, with some images again, courtesy of Sam, who is now underscore Arsenal. Uh, Yem, the starting lineup came out. It's probably as strong as we could have gone. Like we said, Kieran being injured. Um, you know, but Ramsdale was in goal. Ben White played at right back. Uh, William Saliba, and please feel, feel your boots, eulogize about him in just a second. Gabriel playing alongside him with Sinchenko, obviously playing left back. Party and Xhaka, uh, the middle two. Good to see those two guys back. And then, of course, you had Saka out wide on the right. Erdegaard sort of floating. Martinelli out on the left and Gabriel Jesus. When the starting lineup came out, Yem, were you surprised? Because there's a couple of comments saying, you know, it was, you know, even though it's preseason or not, it's Chelsea, it's an important game. Uh, or is this absolutely the preparation that you kind of expected? No, I expected this a strong lineup. Um, I think it's with the first game at Palace in mind. Um, I don't think there's any surprises. He went as strong as he could because it's Chelsea, regardless of how they started. It's still the best. And I said it in the in a, in a few of our podcasts. This this was the acid test. No disrespect to Orlando and actually to Everton as well, but Chelsea were not far away from us and they have a better you know better level of players you want to test where we are as a team and you know how how good are our new players because you know the Orlando team that's a you know that's a PR exercise to me and, and a fitness exercise but Chelsea is the one where you say look let's try how we're going to play in the season see how we do against top level opposition Etc. So I had I was actually fairly I was actually really pleased. I mean, obviously there are a few absences that I would I would have said, is Ben White going to start over Tommy Asu? That's an interesting one because Tommy Asu's injury record is it's causing problems now because you know before when he wasn't as injury prone, you'd say yeah he'd start all the time, but can you rely on him? You know it 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 seems like he plays half an hour and he falls to the ground. Tierney, again, that's a different story. And, and with Zinchenko there, as was mentioned, we are now, you know, it, it, we've got a better competition for players. So it, it's great. I thought, I, I was really happy with the lineup. I wanted to see us at full strength. I wanted to see us go at Chelsea, and we did. And we can talk about that in a minute, but it was, it, you know, really happy with the lineup. Well, let's talk about it right now. I mean, um, seeing as you mentioned it, you may as well start, and we'll come to us straight after, after UEM. But I thought the start was immense. You know, we flew out the blocks. We were pressing really well. The intensity that we had, it felt really good watching that Arsenal performance. And, you know, I think I even tweeted a few minutes before the, the halftime whistle and Chelsea, of course, came close. I thought it doesn't matter what happens. That was a really tremendous first half. As good as they come, albeit in a friendly match, I know it's against Chelsea who are a bit out of sorts and they've had they've got some recruitment problems of their own, which is which is fabulous. But what a what a performance, Jim. I mean, you know, just kick us off with that and then what's coming off that. Yeah, look, we can caveat that with a with a, is a friendly, but the intensity was there. Conor Gallagher and all the players were straight in at us, so the intensity was absolutely there. It doesn't matter if they haven't got their ideal lineup; they still had a very strong lineup. You don't put Jorginho, Conor Gallagher, you know, all these players in. You know, obviously Koulibaly came in the second half, but you know, um, they still had a very very strong lineup, and I loved, as you said, the press. The press is what really, you know, I, I I loved in the first few minutes that we were compacting their play. We were stopping them from playing out. I wanted to see that more last year. And obviously with Lacazette, no disrespect to him, but he can't press from the front. And that's what Jesus does. And I saw Jesus was moving ahead. He was pressing. Martinelli joined in. Saka joins in. It makes you a better presser when your forward is willing to press as hard as he does. And that's what Arteta wants. He wants someone to lead the line, to press hard, and to inspire the others to say, look, press up. Because the more we do that, the better we can you know, get the ball in the thirds that we want. And that's what we did yesterday. The first few minutes, we were getting the ball in so many good areas. And it was really nice to see how, you know, mistakes, etc. We, you know, again, caveat that with it's preseason friendly, but 
you know, we were getting the balls off them in, you know, from, you know, silly mistakes. And I love that. Conor Gallagher looked really ordinary to me. I, I, I thought, just speaking of Conor Gallagher and what has I come to you now, I mean, I thought they Chelsea started off a bit physical. I mean, there were five or six fouls in the first three or four minutes. And I thought, hang on, is this just them being Chelsea or is that, are they just that off the pace? Because we were quick. We were moving the ball around quick. The players looked sharp. You know, our ball control at feet, really, you know, nippy. Bukayo Saka getting fouled and tripped and Conor Gallagher, like you say, yeah, dragging players back, pulling players back. Just, you know, really looked sort of second best. And then, of course, we took the lead with a fabulous goal. I mean, was coming in, you know, the, the, the start of the game, the, the style of the game, the intensity, was everything just about right for us? Yeah, exactly that, mate. And I think, like Yem alluded to, I mean, this is the whole pre-season sort of fitness scenario is building up to a game of this intensity. You know, we're two weeks away now, got one more game next weekend and then the real deal starts, you know. So this now is proving, yes, we're ready. We're two weeks away, full peak fitness. And what a start. I mean, you right from the start of the game, just everything we do looks structured, it looks instructed and it looks managed. Even the like, like Yen was saying, the pressing, we're closing passing lanes, we're doing things intelligently, we're causing mistakes. And then, um, I mean, you see that they, they, they took that short corner, Saka's gone over, Xhaka comes out, makes the block, Martinelli nicks it, we're in, put Saka in, he should probably score, we should yeah. go 1 0 up then after five minutes. And that start there just epitomised from our own blocks, defending a short corner, being fully switched on, fully aware, Saka and Jack are doing their job, Martinelli gone, and that was it, you know, and that is us playing at our very best. And when Arteta gets us going like that, we're bloody good. You know, we're very, very good. The test is going to be the consistency and, and how often we continue to play like that and how we deal with different challenges, you know. But that was um, an electric start and just the, I mean, the first goal, the whole intelligence of it, forcing a mistake, Jacar is fully aware exactly where Jesus is. And the most impressive thing is, and like, it's great to have Adam on and, and, and the guys from America, but one thing I would say is the first time they've seen a striker live for Arsenal in about two, three years. Actually, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was so, wondering where you were going with that. Yeah, so, so to be fair, they should be very happy because we've been starved of one for ages at the Emirates, you know, every single week. But you just it's a short, subtle movement to get himself back on side. When you watch it, he just steps to the left, Sorry, he's right, but and he, and it's Jacker's first time ball when he's in, but that little subtle movement keeps him on side. But that's just a natural, you know. That's what that's what the best strikers naturally do. And the finish is just a joke. And let's be honest with you, mate. It, it is. It's a brilliant finish. And you know, you nonchalant. Will... Yeah, indeed, <laughs> you, you guys will know that um, Gabriel Jesus took a, a bit of criticism when we when we announced the signing that you know he's not a proven goal scorer. He hasn't played regularly up front in a team that doesn't have a striker. You know, always lived in the shadow of Sergio Aguero. I understand all of that, you know, and perhaps actually as an outsider in, had he gone to Chelsea or Chelsea or Spurs as an outsider looking in, I might have joined that bandwagon. But the guy looks a killer. I mean, that, that goal is just, is beautiful. You know, that he, he he makes it look so easy. And let's not forget, I mean, this is, okay, it's a Chelsea team. Mendy's not a bad goalkeeper by any stretch, but he's made that look easy. And of course, once we go 1-0 up, you know, the confidence is flying through our veins, wouldn't you say, uh, was? Mm, yeah, it's exactly it. Confidence is high at the moment, but everyone knows what they're doing. And it, even when changes are made, that's when you can see. That's, that's a big difference from what we had previously. But, you know, like last season, when it was going good and we had our first strongest strongest 11 there, you could see what we was doing. It's when we didn't have that, it all fell apart. Now, that's what I'm saying. The biggest test going forward is going to be, can Arteta make the right decisions when it does fall apart, when it does get tough? Because last year, he didn't. And hopefully a year later, with the additions we've got, we're going to move forward. And then it, we really do become competitive, you know, really competitive. So it is exciting times. The acid tests will come. But um, yeah, I mean, even earlier on in the season, we're going to deal with obviously the right back situation at the moment. Looks like it's a bit of an uncomfortable one. That's already a question mark. He knows himself, which I really loved. Obviously, he done an interview after the Zinchenko signing and said, look, we're fully aware there's still areas of this squad which are understrength. And we know that. But... We can't do it all in one go. And we've moved ourselves now into a position where I think we're going to be way more competitive this season. And it's very, very exciting times. Very exciting times. Just on the right back, um, do you think he's maybe a little bit more relaxed about that given Benny White played pretty well last night and, and he's got the the choice of playing Ben White at right back? Do you think he's a bit more relaxed about that knowing that Tommy Asu can come back? Cedric's obviously there in the background, but it's not as much of a priority as it was to get someone in for, for Tierney because obviously, you know, we've been lacking and Tavares just isn't quite at that standard yet. 
I don't know, you know. I think, um, like we discussed, we said about last time I was saying about the Burnley game last season, it's just that bit of outlet that it takes away from from having. And it's fine, like we said, tactically, you can see him tucking in, almost becomes the three with Zinchenko going higher. But it does, at times, when we was playing like that, it becomes a bit, um, bit repetitive and it's quite easy to defend against if you're not on it, you know. So not having that option at right back that can get wide and get high, I mean... Old Cedric Beckham at the end there. That was an outrageous cross, wasn't it? So technically, he's very good, but he lacks in a lot of areas, Cedric. So I think that that right-hand side without Tommy Asseru fully fit could be an issue. But let's hope that whoever deputises for him and whoever covers, you know, it isn't going to hurt us too much. Because last season, like you said, losing Tierney and Party, that was, you know, a hammer blow. Absolute hammer blow. But this season, I'm hoping, obviously, Zinchenko has solved that whole left-side issue. He's going to be incredible this year. And um, whoever steps in at right back when they need to, hopefully they do a job for now. I do think long term we will invest. Um, but yeah, and, and obviously all over the pitch, we're sort of looking a, a lot stronger, barring obviously Thomas Partey is probably the other really standout issue if he gets injured. But it's um, I'm, I'm, I'm itching, to be honest, mate. I can't wait. I can tell in your voice. Yeah, I'm coming to you. So obviously, look, 1-0 up, delicious goal. Gabby Jesus, you know, are oh, just brilliant. Second goal was just tasty as well. I mean, Martin Erdegaard, what a finish. Um, did that come as a surprise to you, Yem, or were Arsenal firmly on top at that point? No, Arsenal were firmly on top. It was just the manner in which the goal came in that the crispness of the passes, that mistake from Chelsea, failed to failed to pass it. Nice little ball through. You know, Martin, Martinelli. I have to eulogise about Martinelli through that game because from the first minute, he was bang on it. The speed... The, you know, that first counter-attack, I was just like, whoa, dude, there's a level. He's gone up a level. I, I You know, he's ha- we knew there was le- more levels to come. But this season, I'm hoping that, you know, he hits those heights and, and gets more goals. But the speed was absolutely rapid from him, you know, all game. And the intensity, amazing. But back to the second goal, you know, the awareness as well. Some people are talking about that he doesn't, he doesn't lift his head up. I'm sorry. That was a perfect example of looking around, seeing Odegaard there, ball in, and the technique on Odegaard's goal was mwah. It was, it was beautiful. It was, it was you know a what? lovely finish. And do you know what? That's one of the things that I really want to see him do more yeah. of this season, just getting on the score sheet. He finds himself in some really good positions. And we've seen players in the past who are, let's say, they lean towards or they prefer giving assists all the time. And I don't mind that, but I just want to see him be a bit more selfish, a bit more ruthless and a bit more devastating when he's in front of but goal thing, and really, you know, really get those double digits. Go on, yeah. The thing is, is that the modern day central attacking midfielder is templated against the best one out there, which is Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne gives assists and goals. So in order to be that elite level, you really do have to have both in your locker. And that's what Martin Odegaard's got to do this season. He's really got to be able to, A, take games by the scruff of the neck because in some big games he has gone missing. That's just a fact. So he has to find that level there. He's got to work better against the press. We all knew, you know, the Palace game was a perfect example. He just completely was lost in that game. So maybe having more technical players around who can hold the ball will help him there. But he's got to score more. I think he had, what, was it four last season? I'm not sure that's really the return we expect for him, but it was his first full season at Arsenal. So much more to come for him. But the goal, the technique was amazing. Really enjoyed it. I loved the build-up. I think the first half... Was, I didn't want it to end because it was such crisp passing, good pressing, quick on the break, making Chelsea make mistakes. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't wish for a better half to be honest for a pre-season game of that ilk. You know, in the past we've been used to, you know, when we go against the big teams, we're like, oh geez, we're going to get tonked here, <laughs> and then we're going to be talking about, well, that's it, the season's over. But now we're we're all buzzing about not just look, we four nil is a great score, but the performance was just immense, you know, and obviously I missed the second half, but, you know, it, it sounds like it didn't really drop off that much. The structure was there. We were a bit more defensive, certainly, because the players, but we didn't, you know, at least we had the game plan and we still kept, you know, moving the ball and, and making intelligent runs. And that's what we're looking for, that, you know, that we keep the consistency and the intensity. That's going to be the next big hurdle. Can we keep the intensity for 60, 90 minutes, etc.? Because doing it for the first 45, that's, a, that's an easy one. A lot of teams do that. Well, despite our dominance and that sort of first 45 minutes, Chelsea did nearly pull one back. I think it was Mason Mount who sort of hit the post 
Um, but we go in at halftime 2-0 up. Uh, it was coming back to you. I mean, you know, we, we wanted to maintain the tempo. There was one change at halftime, Nuno Tavares coming on for Zinchenko, even though there were six or seven Arsenal players warming up, and I thought it would be wholesale changes, but it wasn't. We then did take uh, another step in the right direction by scoring our third goal. This time, Bukayo Saka just after the hour mark with some magic from Granite Xhaka on the edge of the box. Bergkamp-esque <laughs> flick over the head, right foot volley. I mean, I was in dreamland. Go on, was T- Tell me about the Mark, third goal. Third goal there. I mean, we're becoming accustomed to uh, Marcus Alonso on toast, don't we, over the last couple of couple of years. You know what I mean? That guy, there's nothing more exciting than seeing that geezer get taken the mug out of. I, I can't stand Marcus Alonso. And Saka just drops his shoulder. See you later, son. He's gone. Tries a little reverse pass, gets a bit lucky with the um, with the thing. But you, you've got to just say, Xhaka being a lot higher there, he was a lot a lot higher than we're used to seeing him. Perfect first time ball out to Martinelli, good strike, comes out. But we switched on, like you said. I mean, the, the touch is outrageous. To be fair, wasn't it? A little, the, the touch, a flick over the right foot volley, great strike. Saka, nice and lively, probably offside, but it doesn't matter. You know, at least he's there, switched on, getting into goal scoring positions and. That's what we spoke about all along with Saka. The, clock, the talent is clear. What he needs to do is add numbers to his game and real, real good numbers. And this season, so far in pre-season, not just him. We've seen Martinelli getting more assists. Martin Odegaard getting in more goal-scoring positions. You know, this is what's vitally important to go from 60 goals to 80, 90 goals. That's going to bring us, that will take us to that top four level. You know, we can. our defence is looking ridiculously strong. It's the goals. We need the numbers. And that's why people are a bit reluctant, including me, with the young players still thinking, look, if we go through a tough spell, who's going to dig us out? Who's going to really give us their numbers? But so far, they're coming. They're they're coming. And all of the young players are getting fully involved. And Gabby Jesus is going to add so much. We were talking about Erdegaard there, um, hopefully adding more numbers to his game. And you not even spoke about Fabio Vieira yet, who... I mean, last season, last season, he's averaging a goal or assist every 66 minutes from midfield, you know. So he's clearly, clearly going to add um, add them numbers. But Yem alluded to it. Everything we're doing is forward. It's precise. It's forward. It's aggressive. We're not every pass. The first goal, Xhaka, bang, straight away, forward pass. Second one, between the lines, Thomas Party, Martinelli, head up, through the lines, vertical passing. He's so instinctive. He's so right. And it's really, really good to watch. And the, everyone is on the same page. So, yeah, good. Very good. Do you know what the scary, do you know what the scary thing is? And I said it to you, Fies, actually. Despite all of this, there is a problem that I see, which is party. Party is so unique in that sixth mm. role. The way he, 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 he got to the ball, the aggressiveness, and then to look. You can be aggressive. You know, a lot of sixes are aggressive. But the forward pass, the immediate forward pass, outside, inside, everywhere, there is no player, I don't think, in the Premier League, even Rodri, who is as close. But that scares me because obviously Party is injury prone now. How do we, how do you replace him? Is it? it Mate, that's the worrying thing. We've said it on this on this channel before, but you know, I just don't know uh, what the club is going to do if we don't get a reliable deputy. I mean, this is why I was harping on about Ibisuma. You know. You bring him in, you raise the floor, you you kind of push the ceiling as well. What a player he would have been, but of course he's ended up at that lot. Um, Thomas Party for me, you know, he's one of those players where sometimes you see the opposition and they're on the attack, and all of a sudden this leg comes out of nowhere, and we've got possession. And I think his nickname is the Octopus, or someone's joked about it being the Octopus, or maybe yeah, I just is. made that up. I don't know. It no, is, it yeah. Is. And um, he has this amazing ability. The ball kind of just sticks to him like glue, and his distribution, like you say, yeah, is phenomenal. Um, uh, just before I move on to the fourth goal was you called Alonso a mug and talking of mugs I do Beto again thanks for your generous <laughs> contribution to the channel putting us towards the mug shop um, I, I promise you I do Beto if that's your name whenever if ever there is a prototype designed you've done this a couple of times now I will make sure that I send you one so if you're following on Twitter at Latte Firm Drop me a DM. Let me know where you are in the world and I will try and sort that out for you. Uh, right, on to the fourth goal. Uh, it was, you joked, Cedric Beckham, but what a bloody cross. And <laughs> young Sambi Lokonga uh, on the end of it, using his, you know, on the end of the cross and, and heading it in, just a beautiful goal again to get, you know, to go 4 0 up. It uh, was deserved for you and, and, and thoughts on Sambi Lokonga as well. He's got a big season ahead of him. Yeah, okay. Sambi's, uh, it's obvious from watching him, he's got immense talent. He's, 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 he's whatever role he will um, end up pursuing in his career, whether it be a lone six eventually, 
you know, what can he develop into? Because it's, it's so difficult at the age he's at. I mean, Thomas Partey's getting towards 30 years old now and he's now looking solid and settled and he's the kind of player that will probably, for another three, four years, you know, be comfortable in that role. Sambi has got the lot, you know, he's it's exciting as well. He's he scored a couple of times in this preseason, getting himself in the positions. I mean, I don't know why he was so unmarked, to be, to be fair. It's just like, I don't That's know what was... given up, to be fair. They've yeah, just completely they? given up. I was so confused, but it was some delivery, but very, very good header. Takes a shirt off, kissing the old badge, bless him. So, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting to see and he's a real good talent. He's, he's sort of, you know, we signed Gwendozi, who was very similar in, in sort of midfield role. What does he actually do? What is he? Renduzzi didn't work out. We've got in Sambi. Let's hope that Sambi's the real deal and goes on to be a, a top, top player. Because it, to me, it seems at the moment that he could sort of play many roles in midfield in, in sort of Europa League games and think situations like that. And he's, he can definitely contribute seriously to the team rather than just be, oh, OK, he's a young player. He looks, he looks like he has so much to his game. It's just where he eventually fits in, you know. But at the moment, there should be no pressure on him. Sorry to interrupt, but there's a popular comment coming through. I mean, party obviously is the position is the one that worries uh, Clement yeah. Odorinde the most, but also me, you, and Yem. Yeah. Um, in that situation, I'm no tactician, but presumably, does Arteta then shift to a four-two-three-one and play maybe two midfielders instead of that sort of lone six when Party is injured or banned or whatever? And could Lukonga in future develop physically, mentally, tactically, and maybe take on that role as his own? Yeah, he definitely could, definitely could in the future. I think um, against lesser opposition, I know people won't like it and they, they think Xhaka gets exposed and things like that, but Rodri has got no speed, no pace, but what Rodri can do is conduct a game of football and Granite Xhaka can do that. He can stand there with the pitch ahead of him, he can see what he's doing and as long as you're not making him cover distances like we discussed the other week, we've seen it too many times, him tracing people down, you can't do it. He cannot do that. So, I think probably for a good sort of 80% of matches, we should be very ball dominant, especially at home. I don't see there being a major issue playing Xhaka and then the two eights because we've got many, many options to play in the two eight roles. But it's the big games. Like, I mean, if you look a lot of the time last night uh, in a Chelsea game, they were side by side Xhaka and party. It becomes, you know, it becomes a 4-2-3-1 rather than the sort of the one and the two. And it's very flexible in-game. And that's what I was saying about Xhaka at times was getting high, like for the third goal where he was across and playing out to Martinelli. But then when you watch us defensively, he was tucked in alongside him. So it's very flexible there. But it's just, yeah, you're not going to replace Thomas Partey. And you're not you're not going to be able to replicate anywhere near to the level he does. But what you can do is, as a team, you can manage the situation. And yes, OK, if we've got Granite in there, we might have to be a little bit less expansive and a bit more compact but I think we'll be fine against the lesser opposition. It's just when you come into the big, big games against the big sides away from home under the course, you don't want to leave Granite in there on his own. So as it stands, if we've got no one... Go on, yeah. Sorry, mate. No, the, the biggest issue we had last season was we, you know, obviously we had a limited schedule, but we pushed all our players pretty much into the red zone, pretty yeah. much. And that's what's called the injury. That Crystal Palace game, I think, just pushed everyone over the, you know, a number of players over the edge. This season is going to be key because there is depth there to managing your personnel properly. You know, those lesser Europa games, I would not want to see Tom's party start at all. You know, there is no need. You want the big games and you want those, you know, those mid-table games that you think, look, I'm going to need party here to, to you know, really anchor that midfield. But a lesser, you know, someone in Kazakhstan, I would not even ship party out to on the plane. Just wrap him up as much as possible. Manage your key players because I know Arteta's got this thing about keeping it consistent, but you're going into a massive season now with you, you know, European competition and game managed squad management is going to be absolutely key here. And you know that you who your injury prone players are. Saka needs to rest as well. I don't think he's had a proper rest at all um, through even through preseason. I think, and he still doesn't look. I would say a hundred percent, to be honest. Excellent point, Yim. It's, you know, squad depth is really key, and I think it was James Wright who mentioned a couple of minutes ago about, you know, not necessarily about party, but you know, this game, this performance. I know you can look at that bench, but we were without Tommy Asu, Tierney, Smith Rowe, um, Fabio Vieira, who hasn't even played for us yet. 
like last season we did have a very thin and young squad and by adding these really quality players you're you know you're supplementing what was a pretty decent squad now and it's going to you know become bigger and deeper and of course we've got the five sub options but you're right you know Europa League games as uh, someone just uh, said in the chat um, you know until the knockout stages the late knockout stages it's pretty much league one football you know just just wrap up all your players don't even get them to travel you know rotate heavily play some of the youngsters and uh, and then you play, play Lukonga. Lukonga, it's perfectly set up for you know Lukonga to get regular games, weekly basis, and catch a weekly basis. You know this is where we're going to be using these players, and that's guaranteeing game time and development time. You know, not in high, you know throwing Lukonga in against Liverpool last season. You know what did you expect? I don't know what people expected. You know, give him time to build up his his stamina, his knowledge of the game, etc. You know. That's the perfect one. I've I've eulogised about him so much. There's no point in talking about it anymore because, you know, maybe it'll happen. <laughs> it's the undercover, you know, you know the what? undercover. You know, Edu has said I like him, but nothing's happened. You know, not what? not not wink wink. Well, let's see what well, happens. Just quickly before we move on from the uh, the Europa League situation, I think we have to be careful that we um, yes, we make changes, but we need to keep players engaged and ready. You can't. You know, people like Anketia, if you make wholesale changes, yeah, I completely agree with the sense that it says certain players that they do not kick a ball in that competition. And I get it. I completely get that. But you need to keep players engaged and ready to come in because at any stage in the season, someone could get injured. And if it's the same 11, like uh, Marteta has sort of been operating over the last few years, he's very reluctant to change anything. But you see it when players come in, some some of them don't look engaged. You know, yeah, they don't yeah, look yeah. ready. They, they don't look and feel... And that's one thing I'd say about this tour, looking from the outside in and all the footage and, and all the video, they look engaged. Everyone looks on the same page. Everyone looks excited when the goals are going in. Everyone's up on the sideline celebrating. You know, they all seem together. So and I just think fitness-wise, especially sort of attacking players, give them the opportunity, keep them going, keep goals coming in, keep goals and assists happening. And if they're not engaged and they feel like, you know, oh, I'm never going to play, I'm never going to start... You know, that's why the best teams, they always do it. You look at what Liverpool do, you know, with their rotation. Man City do it with their rotation. You have to keep... I know, and I know we're not at that level yet, but what he has done is he has raised the squad to that level in certain areas. And we're on the process of getting the whole squad like that. But we have to keep everyone engaged. That's all. I'll just be really careful about mm. throwing a load of youngsters in. I think the Europa League is going to be very positive for us in the sense that these players who are knocking on the door they got to prove a point and, and get themselves ready and fit and raring to go. Well, that's what I wanted to kind of touch on just loosely on the next slide. I mean, there's, there's, there's end of an era sort of up at the top of the pitch, but also at the back. You know, Lacazette, who did score, to be fair, in a friendly or whatever today, yesterday, whenever it was. And they've been now re been replaced by Gabby Jesus and Nketiah, Lacazette and Aubameyang. I mean, when you look at those two, was mm. is that enough? Because I know Saka will get goals. I know Marcinelli's going to get goals. And of course, the noises are, the rumours are, if you believe sort of Fabrizio Romano and, and Charles Watson Co. that we are still in the market for a, for a wide forward. But when you look at those two, is that enough of an upgrade? Is it an upgrade? Are you content with that going into the new season? It's difficult, isn't it? Stylistically, they're very similar. Um, that might be an issue that we haven't got an alternative, if you know what I mean. There's no, there's no other way of playing. But then again, you know, if, if, if all the structure is right, and I mean, City essentially went two seasons near enough without a striker, you know, and Gabby Jesus was, uh, it was just madness. But it, it just shows if you get it right around the pitch, you can sort of get away with it. I, I do think Arteta alluded to it and he said it himself, and we keep going back to it, but we need to score more goals. That's essentially, we need the numbers. Eddie's, Eddie's looked like, you know, we've got our reservations about him, but. I mean, he's looked really good, hasn't he, this preseason? He, he's looked sharp. When you look at the two players, I think Jesus genuinely is world-class. And he, he seems to me that he's at a stage of his career, career where he's about to explode, you know, and go from being that top, top player to elite level. And I think it's incredible that we've managed to get him. And although it's probably not, there probably weren't as, in, as much excitement as when we signed Aubameyang, because, but it genuinely is a bigger signing. I think it is. He's 25 years old. You know, he's going to give us his peak years of his career. He's ready to push on, ready to prove to everyone that, yes, I'm the main man here. So that's huge. Never been a massive, massive fan of Lacazette. So I don't think it's a loss, especially at this stage of his career. You know, thanks for the service, but, you know, we, we, we're done there. So 
can Eddie stay hungry? Can Eddie keep 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 involved and 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 keep keep there and getting goals? Probably, but do we need another? Yes, I think we do. Um, <laughs> but you know, we've got all these young kids, and are, like we keep saying, if, if if they press and give numbers, we'll be fine. Because you said there about the wide forwards, we're adding more goals from midfield. We might just be all right, but it all depends. I think the acid test would, if you lost Gabby Jesus for sort of a month or two, uh, you'd see them, wouldn't you? You'd really, you'd really see. But I think we just have to go with it at the moment. If we get another one, great. But it also will depend on obviously outgoings and, and, and stuff like that. But from from me, I'm very, very happy with with them too because they do look hungry. They do look like they want goals. Literally, they just want to score goals. There's a lot of comments coming in about needing a wide player. Um, you know, lots of shouts as well about sort of Cody Gakpo and maybe one mm. or two others. But yeah, I'm looking at the back end of the pitch. Um, you can see at the top picture there, Messrs. Mustafi, Louise, Socrates and uh, uh, Pablo <laughs> Mari, who's still at the club. <laughs> and then you look at the three and look, to be fair, in the last late night latte, we did talk a little bit about William Saliba. I mean, last night. I know it's just a friendly and I know it's just one game and I don't want to get carried away, but the guy looks a Rolls Royce defender. It's a good to have him back in the team and seeing him play the way that he is, but B, I mean the depth that that we're finally getting and the quality of defender that we're now, that we've now got, it's time to take Arsenal seriously, isn't it? Yem? Oh yeah. I mean, look, as I said, competition can only be a good thing. And these are three top, can be three top level defenders. Gabriel, Brazil international, Ben White, English international, William Saliba, French international, pushing hard and pushing each other hard. What else do you want? I mean, we're looking at another left side defender. I think that's obvious. Whether we'll get one is is debatable given, you know, where our targets lie. But it, if you look at the past, you had Mustafi who literally dropped a clanger every game, guaranteed, and blame someone else for it. David Luiz, you know, I've got a lot of love for. I think he he, he did well in parts. There were still red cards plenty with him. Socrates was an emergency buy, and Pablo Mari, as I said in the last one, Jesus Christ, I don't know where that one came from. It was just, that's just a, one of the poorest defensive, you know, Mikel Silvestre, Seagan levels of, of how bad that, that signing is. So, yeah, I, I dump them. You know, if we can sell Pablo Mari for even some money, that's a win for me. But if we can add one more defender to those three, a good one, or even one who's developing, a young one, that's that for me, I think it will cement, you know, a good five, three to five years of quality defenders who are pushing each other. Was you've suggested in the past, and forgive me if I'm mistaken, if you change your mind till recently, but Edmund Tapsoba, uh, you like him? Uh, is yeah. he the sort of player that you'd like to see Arsenal sort of go for, or, or who could that that fourth centre back be if it is indeed to be sort of Pablo Mari's time over, and maybe even moving on Rob Holding? Yeah, definitely. I'd I'd move both of them guys on. I think Robbie Holding, you should be able to command a decent fee for him. He's English. Move him on. No hard feelings against him. He's just not that level, you know, and it drops so much. I think um, Tapsoba might be difficult now. He's becoming a bit more popular. You've got, there's an absolute man mountain of a defender at Monaco, French under-21 captain, Benoit Badiashile. He's, he, for me, like, if I could get him, 20 years old, absolute beast of a man. Very, very similar stylistically to Saliba, you know, so I think... Monaco selling club, he'll be, a, you know, attainable. And if it ain't now, in a couple of years, he's going to be, you know, be a, a massive club anyway. So something like that would be a great move. But yeah, that left centre-back is important. But you just need someone modern. Uh, a lot of people, Gabriel gets a bit of stick, you know. But if you look last season, passing-wise, nobody nobody completed more passes in the Arsenal squad than Gabriel. And also, there's a, if you look at the passing match for the season, the biggest output is at left centre-back. That is the, where we use the ball the most. And a lot of the times when you watch us build, a lot of the progressive passes come from that area of the pitch. So it's vitally important that um, we get someone stylistically that will fit in there. And I think like you, you obviously with a breakdown with Martinez, and you see that's what they're aiming for. We're signing players for a reason. We're not just going, oh, like like him said, oh, he'll be all right. Pablo Mario. Oh, Okay, he's left footed. Yeah, let's buy him. Let's buy him because he might be all right at left centre back. It's not like that anymore. So, all the targets have been very, very impressive and they've done well. But 
I mean, just even looking at the looking at the faces of them centre backs you had on the screen then just makes me feel sick. Makes you realise, <laughs> doesn't it? Like even We've now, been just, through a lot. <laughs> we have, mate, and just how comfortable these new guys are on the ball. It's it's so important to the way we play. And even with Aaron Ramsdale, it's, it's so so important that the solid with a base and the structures there. It's all well and good having tactical knowledge and being aware, but if you can't bloody implement it, it's pointless. Whereas these players, they can do it, mate. And they're only young. They're only improving. They will make mistakes along the way, but it's exciting, exciting, exciting times. And if we can keep this group of players together for four or five years, why not? Why can we not be challenging for the title? Because we can. And along the way, we can add world-class players to that because we are the Arsenal and we can attract world-class players, no matter what anyone says. And people like Jesus on the verge, he could, could be world-class in the next year or two. Martin Odegaard could be world-class. William Saliba could be world-class. Zinchenko's top, top level, you know. These are all really good Saka, players. And for, Saka, exactly, Saka, Martin Elliott. Why not, you know? We look right through the spine of the team. Thomas Partey is world-class. So we're getting back to that stage again where we've actually got top-level players, where for years we haven't been there. We've had the odd one or two, surrounded them with not quite good enough players, They've ended up looking rubbish, getting shipped away. Everyone thinks they're the villain when the reality is they wasn't backed, they weren't supported and the club itself didn't act like a big club. That's all gone now. Look at us. Look what we're doing. So, come on, let's bring this season on. Get me to Palace and let's have it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Granite Jacker, world class. All right, all right. One step too far. One step too far. Uh, just very quickly on this slide, uh, the departure lounge. Look, we covered it again. I'm going to keep covering this on the late night latte. Uh, Mikel Arteta has obviously spoken quite openly. The squad isn't complete. We've still got things to do. Lucas Torreira, you know, he's sort of edging out on the verge of, you know, on the cusp of a move to somewhere, anywhere. Uh, Pepe, uh, there are links maybe now to a couple of Premier League clubs, but Sevilla. Have you not seen this evening? The Have you not seen this evening? What, on, what's happened? So he's put out a post saying, I'm working hard with my teammates, etc. And everyone's taken it as he's staying now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, but that, again, providing he's engaged. Last season, he didn't look engaged. Get him. This is what I was saying. If he's not going to go, it might not be till January. It might, you know, if he doesn't go in this summer window, he's got six months to prove to everyone why he's a top level player, why he commanded that price tag. If it doesn't work out for him, you know, it's going to hurt his career as well. So you've got, got to play it like that. Get him engaged. Say to him, look, Nico, you've got all the talent, mate. Flipping shape up. Work at this. Look at what we're doing here. Look at everyone. And I think, hopefully, he is in that state of mind. And, you know, we could benefit it from both ways. And if it doesn't quite work out, at least he's then trying to get himself in the shop window and, and getting a move. And he will make an impact when, um, when called upon. Not, don't have a player that's sulking and, you know, no good to us. That's, that, do you know what? That's a really good point because it makes me sort of reinforce what I said maybe a, a few shows ago where I think Mikel Arteta's job, one of many jobs, is to get the best out of what he's got. And if Pepe, if Maitland-Niles, if even, you know, Hector, Reese, if these guys are sticking around next season, they're going to take lucrative wages. They're going to be on the bench. They'll be at training every day. Use them you know, deploy them. Europa League is going to be an opportunity for a lot of these players to just keep their fitness up, to keep their integration up, to, you know, to work on their familiarity with with newer teammates and new systems and whatever it is that we're doing. And to have a squad who are always on the edge, ready to play whenever they're called upon, you know, you, you just so, it's so unpredictable now, football. And with uh, sicknesses, COVID still out there, with fixtures coming thick and fast, you know, it's something that we weren't used to last season. These boys might be called upon at any point. But to kind of finish this slide off, Hector doesn't look closer to, to going anywhere. Pablo Mari obviously links to Italy. Actually, so on, on, on Hector. Breaking news, go on. So Real Betis <laughs> have just sold their right back. Have they? Um, okay. Yeah, they've just sold him for quite a large fee. So there is there is apparently a route for Hector Bellum to rejoin Real Betis. The money is going to be important because obviously... I love these clubs. They, they sell these players for massive fees and they're putting putting an offer of 20p for, for one of they're our buying players, our. But... They're, they're buying Alwa for 40, for what is it, 25 million? They? Okay. And they can't buy um, Hector. But yeah, so Pablo Mari obviously move, uh, linked uh, with a move away. Burnt Leno, um, apparently Fulham are still sort of keen and serious and Arsenal have asked for at least £7 million, uh, 7 million pounds up front and £3 million pounds as a potentially relegation safety sort of bonus, or maybe that's what Fulham have offered, but Arsenal want a bit more. So, hope, you know, watch this space. Maybe he's going to go. And of course, Reese Nelson. Uh, before we move on to the next topic and the final topic of the night, Jordan, thanks a lot for your contribution, mate. Uh, mod, uh, mod, I can't even read anymore. Pod for the dog. <laughs> Pod for the dog walk tomorrow sorted. Forza firm. Thank you very much, Jordan. I really, really appreciate that. 
Um, the next comment, uh, the next sort of topic, chaps, and I want to get everybody watching, and there are 900 of you watching live right now. First of all, hit the like. Uh, second of all, uh, subscribe if you're new and you're enjoying some of this content. But third and most importantly, let me know who you think Arsenal's next captain should be because we are 13, 14 days away now from the start of the new Premier League season. And last night, chaps, Martin Odegaard got the armband. And before I come to you with your thoughts, just a couple of quotes that I want to read out to you. So Mikel Arteta has basically been speaking about Odegaard's leadership. Um, and he basically says, look, he's always listening. He's always helping his teammates. His attitude was absolutely phenomenal. You know, that made me think that this guy is putting the team in front of himself. And a captain has to do that always. He then goes on to say uh, he thinks about the team before himself. He had a period at the start where he wasn't playing, but he was first in training, last to leave, asking the right questions, why he wasn't playing and what he had to do to actually start playing. Um, I guess, I mean, I was I, I don't think I was surprised last night, but I just thought, OK, Erdegaard getting the captain's armband. Is that, Yem, a sign that Erdegaard is going to be the club captain for next season? Uh, and before you answer that, Tell me this. I mean, we've had managers in the past now that have had multiple captains. You know, Unai Emery, five captains at the club. You're old school. You're like me. You're of, you're of the same sort of generation. Is the captain's armband or should the captain's armband be sacrosanct to you? Is that something that you, you know, should there be one natural leader that that, that has has the armband? Does it mean a lot to you is what I'm asking you? And then give me your choice of captain. Yeah, it means a lot to me because I've grown up in the Tony Adams era with the Patrick Vieira's. You know, I like a strong, decisive captain, someone who is a figurehead, who not only on the pitch represents Arsenal, but off it as well, who is, you know, there have been some questionable choices of captain, and I don't like this this pool of captains either. I think that's just a stupid idea. <clears throat> you have a club captain, and then obviously if someone's injured, then you have a vice captain, etc. But you have a figurehead for your, for your team, someone who the manager looks at as a point person, it's natural. And to me, uh, I don't see that changing. For me, Odegaard seems to be the one. I, I think it was between Odegaard and Tierney. I think Tierney's injury problems are probably leaning out of that. Maybe he'll be vice-captain. Um, but I uh, maybe Granite Xhaka, vice-captain in, in the light role because of his experience. But Odegaard, to me, seems like the player that A, Arteta trusts heavily on the pitch, off the pitch. I think... He, he's the captain of Norway as well. He's got the experience. International captain, club captain. I, I, I'd i be very surprised if it's not Martin Odegaard. I, I don't think he's done anything wrong either. I think on the pitch he does his talking. He presses. You know, he, he's a good role model. He's not a shouter or talk, but he, he instructs people well. He notices things. I'm pretty happy with it. I don't see any downside towards it. I think he's... Everyone says he's young, but... He's got the experience. He's the captain of his of his national team. If they didn't think that he was worth it, then you know why would they put him there? I think Arteta is a sound person as well. I think he's looked at it and said, "Look, this is the one that's going to drive me for the next couple of years." We've got a young team as well, so you need someone who a has felt the pressure of you know of that high level, which he has at Real Madrid, but also is going to be able to say, "Look, I'm hungry enough that I'm driving us forward." So I'm I'm happy with that. I, I I wouldn't be at all unhappy with Erdogan being our captain. I think the feedback from the comments is fairly unequivocal. I mean, apart from one shout for Bayerin, which I thought was quite amusing. Oh, Everybody, and I'm pretty sure that was tongue in cheek. But I mean. Erdegaard is, you know, way above and beyond everybody. So same question to you was, I mean, you're of the same generation. I know I look mm. older than both of you, but um, is the captain's armband, does it mean you. anything to you? Do, do you really care if it's five captains, ten captains? Or do you believe in, you know, every player on the pitch is a leader type thing? Or is it, is it you know, is it sacrosanct? And who would your captain be, was? Yeah, very, very much like, yeah, I mean, it's, it is important to me. And, and as you say, it's mainly due to the era of growing up and seeing these genuine leaders and, and, and absolute beasts on the pitch. But I think modern football, the reason Odegaard probably will get it is because, like Yem alluded to, tactically, he's very astute. He's almost uh, on the pitch manager, if you kind of get what I mean. He, 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 you can see him working things out and he's always first over to the touchline to talk to Mikel. I think... The nice thing, looking for our squad, the personalities that we've brought in and the players that are there now, there's many leaders now. You know, there's not... Granite Xhaka, for me, is the most natural captain on there. His position in the team is not guaranteed. 
So that that's a situation there where, and obviously with the past scenarios, with everything that's happened in the past, that, that might not be the best decision. But I actually think as a, as a player and looking at someone and what they bring, he's, you know, always there, stood up. But if you look through a team, even I look at people like William Saliba, mate, I mean, I'm not being funny. He just ooze, you know, he's a young kid, but my God, he just looks like a man mountain. But it's like Van Dijk was not captain Liverpool, you know? And he's a huge leader. If you look right through the team, you've got Ramsdale, who's, a, you know, he's a fully grown man. Who, you know, he's loud, brash, he's involved. Zinchenko looks like he can do it. KT as well. William Saliba, Gabriel's a big man in there. Thomas Partey plays like a captain. Maybe not loud enough, but, you know, he the way he carries himself. All throughout the team, you've got players that can stand up and be counted there. And it's... It's what I was saying to you earlier. They've they've gone out and and targeted types of players, but also types of people. It's like bringing in Jesus and Zinchenko that have been there, done it, won it. You know, there's equivalent players on the market that haven't had that. You know, and they're not the certain type of people. You can see already the way they fitted straight into the team. So, I think whoever does get the arm man, I think it will be Martin Odegaard. And um, for me, that's it's fine. You know, I, I used to be. You'll always dream of having another Patrick Vieira, another Tony Anna, but. You know, I don't think in modern football these players kind of exist anymore. They're very few and far between. But what you have got instead is very tactical, very knowledgeable footballers that can carry out instruction and and make things happen on the pitch. But if you look right throughout the team, you want to see everyone, and and you, they do. You know, they don't let each other off anymore when things happen. You know, people get they they get stuck in, they get involved with each other. So again, it's promising. We've got the right type of people in the squad the right type of players, the right type of personalities, and whoever gets the captain on band, I'm not too concerned because I just think we're, we're on to something here. Don't forget as well, there are still a few players. So Zinchenko is the captain of the Ukraine. Yeah. You know, Grant Xhaka is the, I think he is the captain of Switzerland, is captain of Switzerland. Yeah. You know, you've got players there who are, cap- who have either had the responsibility, Kieran Tierney has had the responsibility, he was captain of Celtic. Is Tomiyasu captain of Japan? Have I just made no. that up? Is no, he he's not. Damn it. Wishful I think thinking. It, it, wishful thinking. Party, party's the vice captain of Ghana. You know, it's there are natural leaders already there. But obviously, in choosing a figurehead, I think he's gone with someone who the squad will work respect. with. Because it, yeah. Respect, but not ruin the structure. Because Grand Jacker, as a senior player, I think people do look up to him. Rob Holding yeah. seems to be someone who everyone integrates with. There are different facets. But as a figurehead, as someone who you're going to put out in front of the media... Who will speak well? Who will you know project the club? I think Martin Odegaard is a fine choice. I think he's as an all-round package without the baggage as well. Because unfortunately, Granit Xhaka would have been the captain, but unfortunately, he you know history unfortunately will never let him do that again. That's... Well, look, Odegaard is, is a clear face. Sorry, was were you going to say something? Just one. I've only got one slight reservation sure. about Odegaard. Is in in, in a sense that. Last season, he did go missing on quite a few occasions, you know, in, in, in certain games. And there's, there's no slight on his ability and it probably was more down to the way we played as a team and things like that. But he does have the tendency, and I think that's also due to his young age, you know. He does have the tendency to, at times, disappear on the pitch. But when we're good, it's nine times out of ten because of him. So, yes, that's why he's playing such a vital role. Just hope that as he's getting more and more experience, them games become few and far between because... When he drops deep and gets involved and builds plays, he's an absolute monster of a footballer. Just, I mean, just to sort of finish off the debate, I'm going to chuck a couple of names at you and just to see if they can sway you. Because sometimes, you know, you can't always remember the squad uh, off the top of your head. But, you know, if you're looking, I mean, Ramsdale was, you just mentioned about a leader. I've never really been too keen on goalkeeper sort of captains, but he is vocal. Um, He is, you know, he shouts instructions all the time. He commands respect and he's got a great relationship with his back five. Ben White, you know, a lot of people have maybe put him uh, as a candidate. William Saliba, I mean, like you say, he's got this awesome aura about him, you know, um, the deep voice, the the imposing physique. If you look <laughs> he's at already a meme. He's already mate, a meme, isn't he? If you look he's at his photos, already. like literally, he just looks miserable, grumpy and angry in every photo. There's a photo that I'm going to tweet after this, right, where he's just doing his boots up and he looks like he's going to like tear his boot apart. <laughs> I mean, that's what I like to see. But, no, then, but it's, you know, the voice as well. it's the oh, voice it's as voice. well, isn't it's it? Ridiculous. As soon as he talks, it's yeah, like, it's ridiculous. It's like, dude. I would just, you know, I'd be like, what? Um, you know, Granny Xhaka, he has been a leader of sorts uh, and is obviously international, uh, you know, captain. 
uh, Gabby Jesus, you know, could could he be such Zinchenko? You know, could he come in and you know captain of Ukraine? And then the sorts of players that we're looking at, Cody Gakpo, captain of PSV, uh, Sambi Lukonga, as people have mentioned, captain Anderlecht before he joined Arsenal. So, yeah, look, this is all part of the profile of player that Arteta is going for. And there's been a few comments in in the chat as well that I wasn't able to share because the the, the tick is moving quite quickly. But someone said something about Arteta is obviously the coach off the pitch, and Erdegaard is the coach on it. And you need coaches on the pitch these days you know when when you're up against the, the the wall you're up against adversity and and the team isn't you know going in the right direction you need those like you know morale boosters those the guys that can g up the troops and um you know martin Erdogan, for me, is one it, of those players Gordon, it's, it's not only that the game has evolved in that even in you know before it was oh four, 45 minutes you get everyone in and then the tactics may change depending on if you're losing all that it doesn't happen like that anymore it's in game now you're talking about you know, coaches are now realizing that there are, you know, other strategies. So you need someone on the pitch who's going to recognize that if we're up, you know, if we're, if we're losing a game because they've made slight adjustments, which happens, then we need someone like an owner guard, like a Jacker who has done it as well to recognize these changes and say, yeah, look, they're isolating us here or they're doing this. We need to change it. And that's why Arteta looks towards these type of players. That's why Granit Xhaka has been, integral to to Arteta's play he, he he's always there because on the pitch he can translate he even said it last year I think it, there was a game where he said look I put I gave four strategies to Granit Xhaka and he and he he executed them based on what the opposition was doing that's the modern game now that you have to be fluid in how you and, and adaptable to different situations because other teams are now lots of really cool shouts coming out this one's caught my attention Herb great name I've never heard Saliba talk, mate. You are the lucky one because tell me, <laughs> it went well, as soon as you hear that voice, you won't be sleeping at night. It's uh, <laughs> it puts the fear through you, right? Uh, guys, thank you very much. That was a really good chat. Um, 900 of you watching right now live, uh, which is insane. So please drop a like in the video, greatly appreciated. Subscribe if you're new as well. If you like some of this content, Yem was may I thank you? It's been a real pleasure. Yem is on Twitter at verse 59. Was you're on Twitter at Arsenal was. Thank you, chaps, for making the time on this Sunday night. And there you have it. Arsenal have demolished Chelsea in a preseason friendly. We've won the Florida Cup, champions of Florida. You'll never sing that and all that. Um, we've got a few days off now. Uh, back to London, Colney. Maybe a bit of transfer activity. We'll see. Uh, and then, of course, the Emirates Cup this weekend with with or without a Jules Kunde uh, Sevilla. Um, that is Sevilla, isn't it? Yeah. Is that who we're playing? Yeah. hopeless and then of course the charity shield liverpool play manchester city have i got that right or is it chelsea man city i don't even know it's man city City, liverpool is it man city liverpool so that that's this weekend and then of course the barclays is back full prime can't wait for it uh look after yourselves have a fantastic week thanks for all the comments thanks also for for the couple of super chats greatly appreciated um have a good week we'll be back maybe in the week maybe a breakdown who knows if the signing comes out of the blue but certainly until next time look after yourselves um and uh take care see you soon